Welcome to Gold and Silver Secrets. Things the government doesn't want you to know. I'm your host, Sabrina Watson, with my co-host, David Smith. Alright, good evening everyone. Welcome to Gold and Silver Secrets. I'm your host, Sabrina Watson with my co-host David Smith and we are both 7K Metals Associates. On Friday nights about the same time we'll be bringing you gold and silver secrets, things that the government doesn't want you to know. So so David, everybody on my profile knows me, but give me like a 30 second intro for you. Where are you at? How long have you been with Okay, well I live in Mauriceville, Texas and I've been with 7K Metals and I'm associate now and I've been I joined the company last year in February, and I'm, uh, everything's working out great as expected. You know, some people get involved in, in these type of businesses, and things just don't work out. This business, I can tell you, has been way above and beyond what I ever expected to be able to get this business together and going. Because we have a asset, we have a product that is an actual asset that has intrinsic value. That's right. You know, if and you know, I've got now about 14 people in my organization, so it, it's going very well. I look, I look forward to the future and what this business is going to bring for you know for me and my family. And so, I, I was able, I wasn't able, I wasn't ever able to get gold and silver in my hands in the past. It just was seventy-five hundred dollars, ten thousand dollars. Very hard to get that kind of money together to and not even have it in your hand. So I said, well, uh, I'll pass because the companies that were advertising on TV and every day talking about having gold and silver, uh, it just didn't work out. I couldn't, you couldn't do it. They kept, they kept that out of the most of the population. Uh, they kept, most of the population could not do what they were asking them to do. And again, when right. they, you just get it on a piece of paper and you don't really have it in your hands, that's not ownership. So I, I wasn't going to buy that. So everybody that's watching this, if you are finding some value, uh, please feel free to share, start a watch party, let us know you're watching. We are live so you can answer, ask questions. Uh, we will be able to answer those for you. Um, also there is information down below for a link to David's site as well as a link to my site. If you'd like to learn more from David or learn more from me, please feel free to click on one of those links. Our show tonight is going to be about, uh, we're talking about money and we're going to talk about the three types of money. And I want to start by reading you a little passage that's actually from the 1963 book, Tax Cradle, and that was written by Kurt Vonnegut. And it goes, nice, nice, very nice. Nice, nice, very nice. Nice, nice, very nice. So many different people in the same device. So I just find that kind of interesting given what's going on with uh, money and the way that it seems to be changing and moving and, uh, and we're going to talk about that. So we're going to talk about the three types of money tonight. We're going to lead off with the first type which is God's money, gold and silver. So David, you want to talk a little bit about the history of gold and silver and why it's God's money? Well, I'm getting a little bit of echo here, so I'm hearing a little bit of 
two different versions with the live video going on the Facebook, so I'm going to have to take off the uh, watch party. I don't know what's happened with it. Do you have it muted? Uh, no, I couldn't get it muted, so I had to turn that off for a second. But uh, one of the things is um, we'll have to kind of get a little bit of uh, that's first time trying this, so we're kind of breaking in some things here and figuring some things out. But uh, I kind of heard two different conversations, and one was lagging about 10 seconds, 12 seconds. Kind of what I understand. You wanted to talk about gold's money, uh, God's money, government money, and fiat money, three subjects we had talked about earlier today. Yes, and we're going to lead off with God's money, gold and silver. <clears throat> you know, a lot of people say, what do you mean God's money? And so a lot of people don't get that. And the first time I ever heard it, hey, I know exactly how you feel. The first time I ever heard it, I had to sit there and scratch my hand and what you're talking about. So when you look at it is, you know, if you are in any way familiar with what the Bible teaches, you have a biblical understanding of what God's money is. And that is just basically who created it. God created gold and silver. Where do we get gold and silver? Well, it's in the ground. Sometimes it's laying right on the surface, and sometimes you know, just different ways of getting it and finding it. So God created it. We can't recreate it. We can't make more of it. And it takes the same amount of effort to get that gold and silver to get it to the point where we have it in coins. So uh, He created it. And that's the big. That's the reason why we call it God's money. And if you look at the principles of things. When we have a system of of money or inflationary, you see deflationary, and you see these things talking. If we have a, uh, a financial system based upon gold and silver standards, we have something that's stable. And you can't go out and reproduce a whole bunch of silver. You can't go out and reproduce a whole bunch of There's gold. There's a limited amount. Right. There's only so much that we can get a hold of. And it takes the same amount of effort to get it out of the ground as it does to get it into your hand. So it's it's you may add a little bit, a little bit, a little bit into the financial system, but from what I understand, silver is 99% of the industrial market, and financially it's 1%. So that kind of tells you there's a little bit of supply and demand. Silver could go up in value very quickly compared to what the prices are today. So there's some references in the scriptures talking about God's money. And so I'm just a little little bit of uh, reference here in Genesis 44, 8. Behold, the money which we found in the mouth of your sack we have brought back to you for the land of Canaan. How then do we steal silver or gold from your Lord's house? So uh, this in this reference here in Genesis 48, what was happening is they took gold and silver and put it in some bags going to test them on their honesty but the thing is is the gold and silver are called money so what is real money when we look at what we have today paper is that real money is it doesn't have any value to it because it can be printed out of thin air you can that the government can print or have print the government can have it printed from the federal reserve who we borrow that money from so 
they can print thousands, millions and millions of dollars. I think last year in October, they printed $75 billion a day and introduced it into our financial system. Well, that all that does is take away, it, it's create inflation and it devalues the paper money. So you can't buy nearly as much as you used to buy 10 or 15 years ago because, and I guarantee you, your paycheck is not keeping up with the inflation and you're not getting a, a, a raise fast enough. So gold and silver have actually been used since the beginning of time. Even since way back with Caesar, everybody has used an intrinsic product, gold and silver, for real money. That's how they bought and sold all through the course of time until the world developed fiat currencies, which is what we're just talking about right now. Now, the United States money became fiat in 1971 when Nixon flipped the tie to gold and silver. But I'm going to step back just a little bit on fiat currency. What's the history, David, of fiat currency and kind of where did it start? Can you give us a little background on fiat currency? Well, your, your fiat currency, and so people are, what do they understand? Uh, well, what is fiat currency? Fiat, the word itself means fake. It's not the real thing. It's not the real deal. So I went ahead and pulled up a little definition. You can go to the internet and Google a lot of things. So I just, for for your sake, for the listeners, I'm not the expert on this. And this is how we can always say it. We can find this information out in the internet and you can do your own research. So don't just take my word for it. Do your own research. We're not, we're not into conspiracy here. We're into teaching people about what the real thing is and what the real thing is, you know, what what is fake and what is real. Yeah, exactly. If you're a truth seeker, you need to go out there and you have the you can have their answers are there. And we've got a lot of experts out there that have actually put the truth out there. Geodrick Griffin is one of them. I love his book. Uh, the creature from Jekyll Island, I've read that one. But fiat money is a currency without intrinsic value. Now get that without intrinsic value that has been established as money, often by government regulation. Fiat money does not have use value and has value only because the government maintains its value or because parties engaged in exchange agree on its value. It was introduced as an alternative to commodity money and representative money. Commodity money is created for a good, uh, uh, often a precious metal, such as gold or silver, which has, has uses other than as a medium of exchange, such as a good is called a commodity. Representative money is similar to fiat money, but it represents a claim on commodity which can be redeemed to a greater or lesser extent. So government-issued banknotes began to be used in the 11th century in China. That was one of the first places that I, in my, uh, in my, in my search and looking for it. Since then, have been used for various countries, and usually, concurrency with common currencies, fiat money started to dominate in the 20th century. Since the decoupling of the U.S. dollar, as you had mentioned, from the gold standard by Richard Nixon in 1971. So, the 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 problem with with fiat money is you can print so much of it and the corruption in the system it becomes corrupted because you now have all kind of other players in government and outside of the government that are tinkering with our money supply 
and the people tinkering with the money supply usually are the one that benefit from it, where we don't. We usually are suffering because of them. And one of the main reasons why people turn to gold and silver, real money, is because they don't trust government anymore. So if you have the real thing in your hand, it's a value. It has value. Look at Zimbabwe and look at uh, Venezuela recently. And that's what I was just going to say. History bears out that no fiat currency in the history of the world has ever actually survived. So, I want to read you a little, this came out of Rickard's 2016 book, The New Case for Gold, and he talks a little bit about, it's called The Last Snowflake. So Rickard uses the metaphor of an avalanche to describe the coming crash and possible collapse of the dollar. For years, snow accumulates on the mountain peaks above a village. Rather than detonate small charges causing small avalanches that would ruin the ski season, the powers that be keep building barricades to attract more skiers as more and more snow accumulates and the threat of the big one, a catastrophic avalanche, grows every year. Then one day a tiny snowflake lands on a mountain peak and the village is buried under tons of snow. This avalanche metaphor has been going on since 1971, the year Richard Nixon took the U.S. dollar off the gold standard. After each market crash, rather than fix the problem, our leaders printed more fake money and the mountain of debt grows taller and deeper and the problem grows more ominous every year. So, we know that, that historically fiat currency doesn't survive. Will the, will the U.S. dollar be the first one? I don't know. Your guess is as good as mine on that. Uh, Kiyosaki, Edward Griffin, and some of the more famous people like Rickard say that it will not survive. So having said that, there are new currencies emerging. So we've got Bitcoin is one. Actually, we've got Bitcoin, Ethereum, and blockchain-based cyber currencies. And I did just a little bit of research on Bitcoin, so I'm going to I'm going to give you a little information on that, and then we're going to chat about it. But from Coindesk.com, just to cut through some of the confusion surrounding Bitcoin, we're going to separate it into two components. On the one hand, you have Bitcoin, the token, which is a snippet of computer code that represents ownership of a digital concept, sort of like a virtual IOU. On the other hand, you have Bitcoin, the protocol, a distributed network that maintains a ledger of balances of Bitcoin-like token. Both are referred to as Bitcoin. So the system enables payments to be sent between users without passing through a central authority, such as a bank or payment gateway. It is all created and held electronically. Now, here's the important part. Who created Bitcoin? And I'll bet you most people don't know that. Do you have any idea who created Bitcoin, David? Well, I, I never really dug into it, the actual creating, but it's considered to be the people's money, so individually, but individuals, somebody come up with a code and decided, well, we're just going to create our own form of money, and we're going to take out the government's involvement completely. But the one thing that we talked about earlier was you're taking something that is fiat, and you're exchanging it for another thing that is fiat because you That's can correct. never put this in your hands. That's you can correct. never own it and it's never in your hands. It's just a piece of digital right. mist in the in the it, 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 universe. It's yeah. So it's not something of it's not a real tangible item. It's made up. So uh, 
Let me tell you, I want something in my hands that belongs to me. <laughs> so. Let me tell you who created it, and this I think you're going to find really interesting. It is a guy under the pseudonym of Satoshi Nakamoto. Now, under the pseudonym. So the dude who created Bitcoin doesn't even use his real name. What does that tell you? He wants to, to he wants to remain totally anonymous from the government. Well, he wants to remain totally anonymous from anybody who might come after his phony money. That's what's going on there. <laughs> so, okay, so that's a little bit about Bitcoin. Yeah. Having said that, anybody with the right computer equipment can make Bitcoin. So you still have exactly the same boat you were in with fiat currency. So let's talk about the next coin we want to talk about, or the next... Uh, well, I do want to say that I reached out on Facebook and I asked a couple of people about Bitcoin. And then I found a few people on Facebook who have Bitcoin. Here's what they had to say about it. Peter Kay said, the most common way to lose money in Bitcoin is indeed that companies get hacked in the past or stop operating and because it's not reg regulated, you lose all your money. He had this happen to him twice. David F. said, I've got a bunch, but, it's, but I treat it like a lottery investment likely to never amount to anything. So why would you have a bunch of something that you're treating as a lottery investment? That's very, I find that quite interesting, right? So Ethereum it has the goal of using a blockchain to replace internet third parties. So it's to store data, transfer mortgages, and keep track of complex financial instruments. Now we all know that all of that can be, all that can be hacked and all of it can get viruses. You know, the whole system from the very beginning, you know, using gold and silver, our constitution was very clear. Use gold and silver coinage, and it's still written in our constitution, but we had the creation of the Federal Reserve System in, in, uh, in 1913, so the Federal Reserve System totally eliminated all this process, but people still had gold and silver in hand. Then we have a president came along in 33 and said it's illegal to own it now. Wow. Well, we lived in America when we had freedom to do things. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense when we have a president and everybody decides to go and, and do it. You know, back to the fiat money a little bit, the Chinese first started to use the paper money. They called it a flying money because it was flying under your hands. The wind blew. So, but the whole thing is, you know, they thought it was a great idea to do this. But the problem is corruption. Well, when our government started with the money in the, in the currency and started getting away from the gold and silver, we had paper, and it was a silver note and a gold note. And we still have some of the remnants of that around. You, you know, you're not going to be able, you may be able to use it, you may not be able to use it to exchange goods and services with today, but you're not going to get any gold and silver by turning it in and get you some gold and silver with it anymore. So that meant that these banks that were all across everywhere with this gold and silver coinage in these banks, we could take the paper money because it's easier to trans, you know, transport that, carry that from one place to another than it was gold and silver, and a little bit safer. But you could take it into the bank and exchange for the real thing and have real gold and silver in your hand. Well, we don't have that anymore does not have that gold standard anymore. It's just a piece of paper. It does not have a treasury note on it. 
because there's no money sitting in a vault saying that this is government money and this is what you can exchange for and you can get gold and silver. It has Federal Reserve note on it. It doesn't even belong to the government anymore. And you know what? Okay. The bankers, the cartel of bankers, as Dia Griffin calls them. Yeah, well, we'll look at that and on another, another episode. But one of the things that I find kind of interesting is that this fake fiat money that we're talking about, our fiat currency, has the words on it in God and trust. Yeah. We can't trust our government, so are we going to trust in God to make good our fiat currency? I don't think so. So, having said that, I want to move on to, uh, in Jim Rickard's book, The New Case for Gold in 2016, he states that government money may soon morph into SDRs or special drawing rights. This is drawing rights. Yeah, this is something everybody should know about. This is another form of fake money, only this time it's issued by the International Monetary Fund. So let me give you a quick description of what special drawing rights are. Special drawing rights are supplementary foreign exchange reserve assets defined and maintained by the International Monetary Fund. They are units of account for the IMF and not a currency. So if we ever uh, morph fiat currency into SDRs, they're going to flat out tell you that it's not even a currency anymore. It instead represents a claim to currency held by the IMF member countries, supposedly for which it may be exchanged. Now we've already seen how that worked out when our fiat currency represented a claim to gold, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, the, the whole thing is that you want, that you said on there, and the, the, whole, the whole idea is in God we trust. You know, a fiduciary is someone who has undertaken the act for and behalf of another in a particular matter of circumstances which gives rise to a relationship of trust and confidence. So, in God, trust is printing on the money. But, who's printing the money? There you go. Who's printing the currency? It's not money. But so, who's printing the currency, which we have called money for so long, but it's not real money. It's fiat money. So who's printing it? So only way we continue, like we were talking about, will this system continue? It depends on how much we trust our government and how much we trust and, the, and where we place our trust. So if our people lose trust in their government and our government fails, which we're probably about that far away from that happening, but our money, our, our currency, the fiat money, it started off worth a dollar in 1913. Look at the buying power today. So is it going to go to zero like we have been told it will go to zero? Very well, well. if it was one dollar, we could probably say it's about worth two cents on the dollar now of buying power. Yeah, so will we go to zero? 1931, that is correct, two cents on the dollar. So one of the things that we want to talk about is, and part of the reason that we're doing Gold and Silver Secrets for you guys is we're going to be bringing you very informative things. We're going to just be bringing you the truth about what's going on with money, gold and silver, the Federal Reserve, our government. And these are things that all are, is information that's available everywhere. It's not yet available on the internet. It's available in books by very prominent writers such as uh, Robert Kiyosaki. I'm reading his book currently, Fake, Fake Money, Fake Teachers fake assets, 
So a lot of this stuff can easily be found. I think it's um, uh, one of the things that we want to make sure that you guys understand is that we are talking about 17 metals here. We want you to take a look at that and invest in something that really may have some actual value for you down the road. Another thing I want to mention with fiat currency, David, is most people probably don't know that your fiat currency is designed to rot. So if you try putting that in the shoebox and hiding it in the rafters for your for 30 years in your house, that money will rot. So once again, that it's not money, that fiat currency will rot. So um, I want to talk a little bit about some of the um, special privileges that uh, 7K members get. Um, so I'll, I'm going to show a coin here, and David, I'm going to let you talk about this coin. But first I want to say, and I'll let you talk about that too. For those of you who don't know, this coin is the first ever coin designed by Mr. Miles Standish. It is a silver coin with an extremely limited edition that David's going to talk about. My, and the reason it's important is because Miles Standish is the Vice President of the NGC, which is the Numismatic Guarantee Corporation. Those are the people who guarantee the um, level of purity and perfection of your coins. He is a world-class coin expert. He's a world-class sports authenticator. He's a two-time best-selling author. He's a rare collectibles TV expert, and he's a philanthropist. And he designed this coin, which was just released in the last few weeks. David, go ahead and talk about this coin, and I'm going to show some pictures of it while you're talking about it. Well, this, this coin, again, that was a great introduction about Miles Vanish in design here. He's been wanting to design this coin for a very long time, and he finally got a pin that we are also kind of working with to help us produce coins like this and they call start minting. So we now have a place that can take the coin. So it is a historical coin already. Because it's already put out in the last case, it's now hit the population and it's a rare collectible coin. The one ounce coin for the year 1886, the year that Liberty Statue of Liberty was donated to the United States. So there's and the one ounce coin, there's 1,886 of those coins. And the two ounce coin, there's 1,028 for the month and the day that the coin, that the month, so it's month, day, and year for these two coins. The, and that's all that was ever produced. That's all that was ever, that's all that will ever be minted. So being that the case, these are, these are very rare. That's very low mintage compared to the population. Compared to people that are out in the world that are collectors of points, rare coins, and this being again it's a rare point because there will not be any of them ever made again. The story that is behind this point, the creation of this point, is going to make this point go in, uh, in value. Uh, who knows? Because if you have a one ounce coin and you have a two ounce coin set, then you could you could very well make a lot of money on this. I've heard of dimes going for a million dollars. You know, we have the example of the of the the nineteen ninety-nine silver eagle selling for nineteen thousand dollars. And I think that price I think it might have been I haven't found out yet 
confirmed yet, but it might have been the that $19,000 may have been paid. So in the collectible coin world, we we get these coins in this company. I'm an associate of this company. I'm not an actual employee of the company, but they give us access to rare collectible coins from around the world. And those rare collectible coins, we are able to save them and speculate whether or not these are going to go up in the future. We can't guarantee they will, but the company has done the research for us, so we don't have to go out and find something on the market and worry about if we've got a good deal. We have, they have done the research for us and taken that out of our hands. They have made this an opportunity for us to have the available coins and rare collectible coins available to us. So Brenda Brady says, hey Sabrina, but I also want to tell you, Brenda Brady has purchased, has given us a testimonial for these coins. I want to tell you about that real quickly. Brenda Brady is a 7K Medals member. Here is what she said about these coins. I have been a 7K member for a little over a year and have bought over 30 silver coins so far. The 7K Miss Liberty coins are by far my favorite one. The day they went on sale, I bought both a 1-ounce and a 2-ounce coin. When I received them, I was amazed at the incredible detail. I immediately got online and purchased three more sets. Yes, I'm building wealth one coin at a time. Thank you, Seven. Yeah, and, and, one, and one thing about this, Ian, is, you know, not only do we have access to rare collectible coins, as an associate, you have access to buying as much as you want, as little as you want, a gold and silver bullion at no markup. Uh, we can save anywhere from 20 to 60 percent and beat most of these other type of companies that are out there, and every day, they're advertising buy gold and silver. I mean, they're doing the advertising for us. All right, you guys, our time is up for tonight. You'll find David and I together doing gold and silver secrets, things the government doesn't want you to know on Friday nights at 7 p.m. Go to whysoundmoney.com to learn more about gold and silver secrets, things the government doesn't want you to know. Until next time, that's gold and silver secrets. I'm your host, Sabrina Watson, with my co-host, David Smith.